Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. O-G. Make some noise! How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. The fix is in. That is a phrase you've heard mumbled and grumbled from people watching sports for years and years. The question is, is there any truth to it? Well, today you're going to hear from someone who says, yes, indeed, there's plenty of truth to it. So like I said, listen up, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right, Brian Tui has written, I believe it's four books, questioning the, if you will, the validity of various outcomes, folks, in sports over the years. His most recent book, just out last week, by the way, is The Fix is Still In. More corruption and conspiracies the pro sports leagues don't want you to know about. With that, let me now welcome in Brian Tui. Thanks for joining me, Brian. How are you doing today? Fine. Thanks for having me, Russ. I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, let me begin by asking, how would you describe yourself? Would, would a, uh, For me to say a sports conspiracy theorist be fair, or you tell me? I thought you meant like handsome or, you know, <laughs> very well-educated. No offense, pal. I'm not interested in how you look. I'm more interested in your book. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I like to think of myself as a skeptic. And I know I get called a sports conspiracy theorist, but really what I am is I'm skeptical of the outcome and of what certain leagues want to tell me. And the problem, the reason I am skeptical is because these are multi-billion dollar businesses. You know, the NFL is a multi-billion dollar business. They're affiliated with other multi-billion dollar businesses in, you know, CBS, NBC, ESPN. And I'm supposed to believe as a fan just exactly what they feed me. And I'm sorry, but I don't, because I know there's billions of dollars on the line for what they're telling me. And so I've started to question the reality and, you know, the integrity of professional sports because of these intertwined entities supposedly telling me this is the truth of sports when I see things that don't really follow and make sense. Uh, having said that, when there, there must have been something like we all have trigger points, you, you know what I'm saying? And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm reading your book and going over a lot of the stuff and stuff that I knew about, stuff that I thought you make some great points, some stuff that I don't agree with. But there had to be, you know, the genesis to where this all got started. What is was it? One particular event, one particular game, one particular series that said 
to, to Brian Tui, wait a minute, this is bullshit, for lack of a better term. Well, one of the first things I think that really tripped me was when Michael Jordan retired. Because I didn't believe that he just up and retired. Because at the time he retired, there were all these investigations about him gambling on golf, owing money to a cocaine dealer, owing money to another guy he was betting on golf with. And it just seemed all too easy. Because as soon as he retired and walked away from the game, all of those investigations dropped. Everybody in the media dropped it. And then, you know, about a year or so later, he was welcomed back into the league as if nothing happened. And he went on to continue this great career. Now he's an NBA owner. But the whole time I thought, hey, this is like another Pete Rose story. And everybody just let it go. Everybody made it disappear. And when you think about it, you know, at the time, Michael Jordan was more than the NBA. And he was the NBA at the time. But he was also Nike. He was Chevrolet. He was, you know, under, not Under Armour, but, I mean, he was all these different products that he endorsed. Uh, he was it. And, yeah, I mean, he was the guy, and it seemed like they covered it all up. And to be honest, I happened to learn later, after I kind of looked into it, that one of my friends now, his mom was Jerry Reinsdorf's personal secretary, the Bulls owner's personal secretary, and she basically confirmed for me the fact that there was a lot more going on here related to Michael Jordan's gambling than whatever got out into the press. Yeah, I, I don't think um, any of us, especially when I say any of us, somebody like me who, uh, you know, has been in the media for 35 years, um, you know, and I made my bones digging stories, I don't think any of us um, thought that Michael Jordan just decided to walk away to play baseball, <laughs> you know, in the, in the minor yeah. leagues. Um and I think, you know, your skepticism coming from that certainly, you know, is is warranted. I, I don't think anybody um, would doubt that. I, I What I thought was strange, just because you bring it up at that time, when when people say about Michael Jordan gambling, just for argument's sake, and I, I don't want to spend, you know, all our time talking about Michael Jordan, but, but yeah. for example, about when they would talk about Michael Jordan, you know, in trouble, uh, or whatever with, with his gambling or gambling on golf courses or, or gambling wherever, Michael Jordan has got more money than God. He was making more money than God. You know, when people would say, and it's not just him, uh, you know, like, for example, I'd hear stories about Barkley or, or, or this and that. When you got all that kind of money, you, you know, like, like betting 50000 to somebody like, Jordan or, or Barkley or somebody like that, as opposed to some Joe Blow betting 500, the guy betting the 500 is going to sweat more th- than the Barclays and the Jordans because that's just the world that they live in. Um, but your skepticism is fair. So so I, I would say that. The one thing that really opened my eyes with you, which I I kind of scratched my head. I, I, I scratched my head and said, "Where is Brian Tui going with this?" You you were very skeptical uh, with the 2016 NBA Finals. That really got my attention. Uh, why, why don't you? Because you you didn't think that was on the up and up. That you know the the Golden State Warriors were up three games to one, and lo and behold, the Cleveland Cavaliers, led by the King LeBron James, come back. Uh, they win three in a row, and that's the old ball game. You tell me what your problem was with that. Well, I 
think even before you get into that, you have to take a, just a step back because one of the things my investigation kind of revealed to me is the fact that there is no law that prevents a league like the NBA from fixing the outcome of one of its own games. And that's a big takeaway I need people to understand, is there's nothing that prevents them from altering an outcome if they so choose. Now, I'm not saying it's professional wrestling where everything is scripted and they decide every single game or every playoff series or every NBA Finals or NFL Super Bowl or what have you. But the fact of the matter is, is there's no law that prevents a league from the NBA from fixing the outcome of its game. So when you understand that and then you look at that 2016 NBA Finals, then you could start going, okay, well, here's the things that happened. I mean, they had Draymond Green suspended for the Warriors for a questionable call. They got, you know, uh, Steph Curry followed out in the game based on some questionable calls. And the whole narrative was about, you know, LeBron James bringing the title back to Cleveland, now called Believe Land. You know, they had a whole ESPN documentary about it before it even happened, basically. And, you know, you kind of start questioning, well, is this really real? I mean, if the league, if this is just entertainment, and what sports really is is entertainment, and it's not really different from a circus or ballet, we'd like to think it is, but it really isn't. If it's just entertainment, then wouldn't this be the most entertaining thing to have happen, have this dramatic comeback by the Cavaliers, by LeBron James, finally bring the title to Cleveland, make everybody in the world happy, and that's exactly what we saw transpire. And it made me question, well, was this really legitimate or was this manipulated into an outcome that everyone so desired? Well, let me just, you know, interject on something that that you said, though. Um, It was an interesting point. You said there's no law against the league's fixing outcomes of games. Correct. I would disagree with you simply that if... For for example, uh, um, somebody found out that a game was flat out fixed. You know, the out there was a payoff. It it was flat out fixed. Author- and authorities knew about it. I think that something would be done about it. Well, no, in a certain way you're correct, in a certain way you're incorrect. <laughs> okay. There is one law that exists, one federal law called the Sports Bribery Act of 1964. And that was passed basically based off of all the college fixing that was going on in basketball from the 1950s and early 1960s. Right. But that law specifically states if you bribe a coach, a player, or a referee to alter the outcome of a game, then it's a federal crime. But if the NBA, for example, says to its referees, look, we want you to call tighter fouls, on certain players and give more space to a guy like LeBron James to work with, that's just an employee or an employer telling an employee how to do your job. Uh, I there's, th- no bribe, there's no bribe being, you know, passed along. There's no, you know, extra money being given. There's none, none of that. It's just, look, we want you to do this job this way. Go out there on the court and do it, and they can do it. There's I, no I, law being broke. I mean, even a player, if a LeBron James, for example – decides to fix the outcome of a game on his own, there's no law being broken. Uh, that, I, I would agree with you. Uh, I Listen, if we're going to get technical on the terms of fixing something, I don't think there's any question in particular, in particular in the NBA, um, that, you know, certain guys, star players, 
get the benefit on fouls, offensive fouls, defensive fouls. I, I, I no one, anybody who follows basketball would never dispute that. You know, and, and a guy, listen, I, to this day, I think Michael Jordan is still the best I've seen, and uh, I know. <laughs> You know, he got the benefit of calls. I know LeBron would get the benefit of calls. Well, and that, but isn't that a manipulation? Uh, if you have a, if you have a rule book that says this is a foul, this is a foul, this is a foul, and the referees are out there and they're not calling those fouls on certain players, because why? Apparently, you know, was it they just decide not to, or is it being dictated to them and implied to them? Hey, we want our stars to succeed. Go out there and do it. And I think this happens in the NFL as well. In, in fairness to you, uh, if you're going to hold me to the fire on that, I, I could not dispute that. I, I Again. Um, but then it's changing the outcome of games. If you're given Michael Jordan, if you're given LeBron James more room to work with, they're going to score more points. Their team's going to do better. I mean, that's all it takes. If you're a gambler and you have you know a 2% edge or a 5% edge you see in a game, you're going to go bet it because you just have that small advantage. And that's all it may take to sway certain NBA games, certain NFL games, is that little advantage. If you're given that extra space to work with intentionally because somebody in the league decides it, I'm sorry, but to me that's a manipulated game. That's a fixed game. It's changing the outcome. It's not a level playing field anymore. Uh, well, it, it, in fairness, if, if you're going to base it on that, I'd say, yeah. You know, because quite frankly – that's not just in, in in like as you say in um, in basketball it could be in football. Certainly, I, I think certain guys when you're standing in the batter's box in baseball, I mean, if you're Joe Blow, you're not getting the benefit of doubt on a low strike or a high strike. Um, if you're on the mound and you're Joe Blow, you're not getting the benefit of does it hit the black on the outside or the inside? And if you're, you know, uh, a Cy Young Award winner, well, you know, things uh, go differently. And so if, if we're going to get real technical and precise on it, I couldn't argue that, that point with you. But you're also bringing out the point of, you know, if you're betting on the game. So I'm thinking now... In your mind, and, and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I'm thinking with the the advent, you know, all this legalized gambling that we're having right now, yeah. that this topic becomes more appropriate uh, and more front and center than ever before because people are going to be gambling a lot more. Well, it should come front and center more, but I don't think it will because it's just the way the leagues have been operating for, you know, 30, 40 years. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, but the thing is, is, you know, there's a difference because I've investigated fixing from a gambling angle where, you know, I got, and I don't know if it's in the book you read or not, but through the FBI, I obtained, through the Freedom of Information Act, over 400 files the FBI had related to game fixing and professional sports in the United States. And I wrote a whole book about it called Larceny Games. And there's, you know, so there's a thing where, the FBI had information from what they called top echelon informants where, you know, they would hear that a certain bookie or a certain mob member was doing business with a certain player, and this game, like, next Sunday is going to be fixed for this team. And that's the way the game would end. 
but it wouldn't be enough information necessarily for the FBI to, you know, arrest a guy, bring him to trial, and then hopefully convict him. But they had a lot of information ahead of time where games were being fixed by organized crime and gamblers working with professional athletes. And so there is the gambling aspect of game fixing, but as we talked about, there's also, I think, this entertainment aspect of game manipulation, call it fixing, whichever word you want to use, but they're two separate things. And I think, like you say, it's been going on, I think, for so long in the entertainment end of things that it doesn't actually necessarily affect the gambling end of it. I, th- I think your terminology of what, what was you just said, game manipulation, I, I think really yeah. that is a proper uh, you know, term, term. term to use. Um, you know, the one thing that is paramount here, I, I think, for everybody, and I think you would agree with this, you know, the fix is in is a term, you know, I, I would always say losers lament. And, you know, sure. I would call myself... One of those over the years, you, you know, I'd bet on a game over the years or, or whether I was at the racetrack or what have you, it, it's, you, you know, you hear it all the time, you know, uh, you lose a close game or the spread's not covered or it's a basket or it's a missed extra point or it's this or that. And it's a loser's lament where I, I don't believe you know, if I'm just watching a game and I don't have a nickel on it and it's just my team, uh, I'm just going to be pissed off because my team didn't win. I'm not going to be hollering that the fix is in. And, you know, with all, you've been pretty thorough with everything. Uh, when you speak to people, do you sense that more of the griping, the mumbling and the grumbling comes from people betting and not from the just the fan in the stands? Actually, no. I actually hear more. It sound, it seems like from the emails and responses I get from people, it's more from the fans who have become fed up. And it's not necessarily because their team got jobbed. And in fact, it's funny. A lot of times I can talk to people one-on-one and I could be talking about, say, you know, the NBA and I'll be like, oh, you know, this, that other thing I think was manipulated. And they like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I totally agree. I see that. I agree with you. I think, you know, they're doing things. And then I'll say, but, you know, in the NFL, when this happens, they'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, not the NFL. Uh-uh. Not my, not, you know, if it's something that pertains directly to them, you know, if it's like their team or their sport and I start talking things, then they get really defensive about it because now I'm hitting something more personal with them. But if I'm talking about some sport they don't care so much about, then they'll tend to agree with me. Uh, case in point. Well, like I live in Wisconsin, for example. And so I'll talk about the NFL and the way I think the NFL kind of does the same thing through officiating and whatnot. And I'll have people agree with me. And then I'll bring up, well, you know, a couple of years ago, the Green Bay Packers almost went undefeated. They were 15-1. and one. They wound up losing in the first round of the playoffs. But the fact of the matter was, in those 16 regular season games, in 12 of the games, offensive holding was never called on the Green Bay Packers. And yet that was the year Aaron Rodgers really exploded he was great. He became, you know, one of the poster boys in the NFL. And I'm like, well, I think the NFL was protecting him because they never called holding on his offensive line. He was given all the room in the world to work with. And people in, you know, Wisconsin where I live, were like, whoa, no, 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 no. Aaron Rodgers is great. That's all it is. He's just a great player. I'm like, well, wait a second. If offensive holding is a call that can be, you know, flagged that can be thrown on almost every play, how is it that 
it never happened on the Green Bay Packers. They just don't hold. Well, so, so, <laughs> so, well let me so, let me just take the. I'm not a Packers fan, but let yeah. let me take you know not argue, but let me just bring up the point from let's say from a Packers fan's perspective. Well, hold on a second. The reason we were 15 and one is because our offensive line was a kick-ass offensive line. They were great at what they did, and if they did hold. You know, like you say, you can call holding on every play in the NFL. So yeah. they just knew how to do it, and they did it better than others. But at the same time, no team got away with it as much. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? And, yeah. that, and again, but if you're going to make – if Aaron Rodgers is one of, like in the NBA, one of your golden boys, Tom Brady's one of your golden boys, you know, Drew Brees is one of your golden boys, perhaps the referees know, hey, we got to protect these guys because we don't need, you know, Tom – Brady's knee being folded back like it was a few years ago, and then you allow the offensive line to get away with murder. Well, that's li- listen. Uh, going along those lines, you know, it's the same reason why the NFL, you, you know, you you can't breathe on a quarterback because yeah. they know that is their bread and butter, their entertainment. That's why it's a passing league now. That's why you you, you know you don't have. Since you're from Green Bay, or you're from I'm Wisconsin, you, no, no, so you're yeah. from Wisconsin. Um, you know, you don't have the Horning and the Taylors. You know, uh, those kind of backfields anymore yeah. because that game doesn't exist. So, I, I, I see where you're going with that. Um, again, it, it's. But again, isn't that the manipulation? I, I, I mean, I, I, that's what I mean. It's it may be like you say a subtle thing, but is it enough to change the outcome of a game? Because if you get three or four holding calls on a team, you know they stall drives, they goof up the offense, and they you know set a team back. But if you don't, if you're allowed to get away with that, well, maybe you win a few more games, and maybe isn't that good for the NFL? If their ratings, their television ratings, where they make most of their money. Is being driven by these star quarterbacks. I, I listen when That's you good use decision, yeah, when you use the term manipulations and, and you know I, I I'm reading this book now uh, which, which I got which is again uh, is, uh, correct me am I right It's your fourth book. On sports, correct. On, on sports, that's what I mean. The fix is still in, more corruption and conspiracies the pro sports leagues don't want you to know about. But the term manipulation, wasn't that in your first book? That was the title, yeah. The, my original book was called The Fix is In, The Showbiz Manipulations of the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and NASCAR. Yeah, you see, that to me is a dead-on topic based upon <laughs> – no, no, really, based upon yeah. what you're saying to me. See, I, I cannot argue the point when you say manipulation because all the points that you br- bring about – are dead on. I mean, that is one one form or another. It's a form of manipulation. I don't think anybody in their right mind could uh, dispute that. Uh, one classic example, and you know, again, I'm a guy. I made my bones in this business, nitpicking at at things. But you know, there are things. I guess it's because I've been in the business so long. And things that I take for granted or say it's acceptable. Kobe Bryant's last game. <laughs> he, he scores 60 points against the, Utah, against the Utah Jazz. The game was meaningless. You took exception with the fact that Kobe basically was allowed to score 60 points. Yeah. And I think you should take exception to it. <laughs> because, yeah. I mean, it goes, 
even the, one of the things I bring up in the book, too, is game tanking in the NBA, which is an admitted practice. It was, I mean, the Philadelphia 76ers did it for, what, like three straight seasons. Mark Cuban was fined, like, $500,000 by the NBA because he admitted that he told his team basically losing is our best option right now. And, I mean, to me, those are all really fixed games because you literally had an owner and a general manager telling the coach and the players, these games don't matter. We want to lose. Just, you know, go out there and do whatever. We don't care. Lose. It's in our best interest if you lose. Well, you know what, to me, that's a fix. I mean, that is a legitimate fixed game, and people applaud it. People are like, oh, yeah, that's a great decision. They really need to do that because they need to get draft picks. Well, I'm sorry, but if you start saying that NBA games, and these are regular season games, not just a single game like Kobe Bryant's, you know, farewell, but you're talking months' worth of games that teams are intentionally going out there and losing, well, if you can get an owner to tell a team to lose, you know, regular season game, which supposedly is, you know, like you say, meaningless, well, why can't they have them go out and do a playoff game? Why can't they say, you know what, we're up three games to none. It would really be in our best interest if, you know, made the series a little more exciting. Maybe we just lose a game or two. You'll still win the series, but it'll make it a little more exciting for the fans out there. I mean, it's a slippery slope once you start going that way. Oh, oh, slippery slippery slope, I, I would agree. I would just say this, you know, to me... Using your term, you know, it's part of the entertainment. I I, I just don't think, um, technically speaking, uh, it's Kobe Bryant's last game, okay? Uh, I mean, Kobe's last game, it's meaningless. It doesn't mean a hill of beans to either one of these teams. There is nothing at stake except the people wanting to see Kobe's last game. And if you bet on that game... You are a moron. I, I, I mean, you have your head so far up your rear end, I mean, you can't see the forest from the trees, okay? But, but so to me, I don't view that, you know, I, but, but here's the I, thing, I'll, though, buy, I'll buy into your manipulation. I won't buy into the terminology of saying that's a fixed game. Well, here's the thing, Maybe, maybe we're splitting who, hairs, Brian. I'd say, but who decides what is meaningless and what is meaningful? I mean, just because it's a playoff game, suddenly it's meaningful? I mean, maybe it's meaningless. I mean, it is if it's just entertainment, and it is just entertainment, it's just that sports fans tend to put a lot of meaning and a lot of emotional, you know, whatever you want to call it, into these games, then suddenly it becomes meaningful. But who's to say for the players it's not meaningless? Who's to say for certain owners it's not meaningless? I mean, just because you want to say that there's meaning in the playoff game doesn't mean it's the same to everybody in the sport, in the league, you know, even watching at home. I mean, that's the thing. If, you know, we ascribe meaning to certain games, but we decide other games are meaningless, well, who's to say they're not all meaningless? And it is just an entertainment thing. And if they are tweaked and manipulated to get certain outcomes, to even keep games close into the fourth quarter so people are watching to the very end, Who's to say that's not going on? Yeah. I mean, and it only has to happen once. I mean, that's the thing. If you had a league decide, I mean, you could go like with the NFL, go but way back to like Super Bowl three, you know, with the Jets and the Colts, which meant a lot to the NFL and the AFL merger back then. If they manipulated that game to make sure the Jets won, to legitimize the merger, then really the integrity of the league was shot way back in 1969. Uh, he, uh, because if you did it once. 
who's to say you don't do it again, and who's to trust him from that point on? Yeah, but I, I, if you're, that's where I'm going to strongly disagree because everything that you said to me makes sense, but I, I, I don't know if I'm hearing it right. If you're insinuating that Super Bowl three was fixed, I would say that's crazy. I think it's possible. No, and no. you can call me crazy. Yeah, well, we, we, no, no offense, no offense, Mister Tui. I'm calling you crazy on that one. <laughs> it's that, fine. That 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 to me is just, and the reason I I can say that is because I have spoken, you know, to some some of the owners of uh, the National Football League. L- let him rest in peace. Uh, one of the patriarchs of the National Football League, Wellington Mara, and and I remember, and since he was a bookmaker, by the way, his his dad was. Oh, that's his, right. His dad was. <laughs> uh, but uh, Wellington Mara, I remember distinctly, and I remember discussing it because I, I do work for the Giants, and but at that time I was a Jets fan, but Wellington Mara sent a letter, and. Um, to Vince Lombardi saying how important it was for the National Football League to make sure that you and your Green Bay Packers beat the New York Jets. I, so, I, I, I'm, you know, that one, I got well, it. Dis- it wouldn't have been to Lombardi. You would have had to have been to the Colts because they played the Colts in that Super Bowl. Uh, no, no, no. Forgive me. I, I, You're right. I said... I said Super Bowl three, so I'm going back to Super Bowl the, the one. Super no, Bowl. no, I'm, yeah, I'm, no, the I'm, first I'm, Super Bowl, yeah, and the first two. Yes, yeah. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm, you're right. I'm glad you did say that because it, it was Lombardi in, in one and two. He beat uh, the Chiefs in one and the Oakland Raiders in two, yeah. and then of course it was uh, the, the Colts and and, and uh, Don Shula. But I, I just uh, no, <laughs> I, I that was just um, you know, qu- quite frankly. From a fan's perspective, I thought that was the greatest overlay, if you will, for a. Uh, I, I mean, it, I, I thought the point spread was ridic- ridiculous, and I remember I was making bets with people in Brooklyn Tech High School that had the Jets lost and, and the Colts covered, I'd probably be down the Hudson River with cement shoes on my feet, <laughs> you, you know. But. Um, you know, I, I listen. But see, I mean, now is it is it because that game like touches something for you that you're not willing to consider that it might have well, been? You, you know what? I, I guess, I guess, and that's what I got my earlier point. Yeah, no, no, no. Listen, if we can always consider, and that's why I'll say, no offense, Brian. That's where yeah. the conspiracy sports theorist comes in. Okay. I would say you're a conspiracy sports theorist manipulator. Fair enough? Sure. I'll, I'll use it. But, I mean, like I said, I'm not saying every game's been tinkered with. Right. I'm saying, but certain games, like, again, if we're talking about Super Bowl three, that game meant a lot of money to a lot of people. And I'm not saying gamblers. I'm talking about the owners of both leagues. Because there was this feeling at that time that the AFL – was an inferior product. Right. The league should not merge, and fans weren't buying. In fact, NFL fans were like numbered three to one over AFL fans, and they just saw that the NFL, like you said, in Super Bowl one and two, the Packers just destroyed the best the AFL had. And here in Super Bowl three, you had literally with the Colts, one of the greatest teams ever put on an NFL field, playing the number three ranked team 
in the AFL, which is why the point spread was so big, why it was such a big upset. And yet, you know, the game, there's certain things that happen in that game that are questionable. And you had an outcome that benefited all the NFL owners and made it a multi-billion dollar industry. Really, from that game forward, the NFL, the modern NFL, sprung. And I'm saying, look, the best business decision was to have the Jets win that game. And if it was the best business decision, and there's nothing preventing a league from altering an outcome to make sure that business decision comes to fruition, who's to say it wasn't tampered with? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I think, and part of the thing is, I, I, th- I want people to question. Yeah, I, mean, well, I could well, be wrong. If you want to argue with me, that's fine. If you think I'm nuts, that's fine. But I still want you to people to question these ideas that go on today. Well, it, 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 in fairness to you, based upon we can question anything. That, that, sure. I mean, I, I, I believe that that is fair. One of the things, I, I won't even get into it because we can talk till we're blue in the face and we're all, yeah. go, we're all going to agree on boxing. We, we oh, know, yeah. you, you know, like, like uh, when we could talk about every guy who has a fighter coming up, okay? A, a, every guy who has a fighter, you know, especially if he's a good prospect, you know, with talent, you know... Um, were the fights fixed? I would say no. However, no, no manager is going to let his guy get into a ring with somebody who is too good at the, that juncture of his career. You know, you can call them tomato cans, whatever. You know, you know. I'm not saying. Believe me, I know the fights have been fixed over the years. I'm, I'm not oh, going to yeah. dispute that. But I'm just saying. But that that's the nature of that sport. But you know, listen. If there's any uh, sport that's been uh, Blasted with with uh, corruption, you know. From you can probably go back to the days of uh, bare knuckles brawls and, and and you know with John yeah, L. S- yeah, <laughs> it, 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 exactly. You 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 did bring out one thing, which I kind of left me scratching my head, and uh, it, it, you talk about a study that was made in two thousand and six. Uh, I forget who made it, but it's in the book where favorite t- favorite teams covers the spread fifty point zero one percent of the time. However, teams favored by twelve or more covered only forty eight point thirty seven percent of the time, and just uh, finished covering by you know uh, you know sh- shorter uh, favorites. I I just I, I just when I when I look at that, I, I said to myself, "Well, the fifty percent that kind of sounds okay to me because fifty percent of you know heavy favorites cover, you know another fifty percent don't." But to me, what was the big deal? Like like you're talking about like uh, a percent and a half when teams are favored by twelve or more. I I didn't get that. Well, that was related to college basketball, and that was a study a couple of um, economists did. Okay. And basically what they, said, what they were thinking is, is they were thinking that basically in the NCAA, when the spread, I think it was, like you said, 12 points or more, they thought games there was point shaving going on in that small percentage difference. Through their study, and I, I, I'm not a mathematician. Right. I can't break down the numbers for you. But basically, their conclusion was that there was points being shaved in these games and that there was more 
corruption in NCAA basketball in terms of point-shaving, game-fixing, whatever term you want to use, than people realized. And it even goes back to the NCAA every four years does a survey with about 20,000 other student-athletes, and they ask them all sorts of questions, but some of the questions they ask them are related to basically have you been approached to ever ever been approached to shave points in the game? Do you know of somebody who has shaved points in the game? Have you yourself shaved points in the game? And they always get positive answers. Right. They've done this for like 16, 20 years, and they always have athletes admit that, yeah, I've been approached, or yeah, I have shaved points in the game, but where are all the investigations? Where are all well, the scandals of this happening? Because even if you assume that some guys are just like screwing around and saying, ah, yeah, sure I did. There's probably some truth in there. You, you will never and then get. It makes you, question. you you will never hear this gentleman talking to you, Russ Salzberg, argue uh, on behalf of NCAA basketball because <laughs> it's not just NCAA. I mean, I mean, to me, the NCAA is full of crap. I've said it several times. Uh, you know, the coaches get away with blue murder the way they run their programs. You know, for all of them. Um, you know, it's you know when they talk about the student athletes. So you and I can go on and on about that. The only thing that I would say, in terms of, and, and I'm glad you corrected it because it was about college basketball. Yeah. Like to me, if if you're a gambler, okay, uh, and, and you're betting long odds. Oh, oh, I shouldn't say betting long odds. You're involved in a game where you know, let's say the spread is 15. So at that point. You, you know, there's a lot of garbage time at the end, and, and guys get screwed. That's what. That's a classic example to me of losers lament. I I'm not disputing anything you say, but like, oh crap, I'm sitting here, um, and all you know, a foul. Um, it's a meaningless. Throws up prayer shots. Some guys coming in late. It's garbage time, and all of a sudden. Uh, a guy gets a chance, you know, in the last two minutes, and, you know, he's going to make a couple of baskets because, you know, he's getting a chance to play. So that, to me, is what I call a loser's lament. But I, I would say this, uh, Brian Tui, the book, y- you make a lot of good points. Uh, I, I'm not, you know, poo-pooing things you say because when you use a term manipulation, I don't think anybody anybody could dispute that you know based upon the things that you say i i just maybe it's over the years it be l- l- listen i can remember i think it was mickey mantle's 500th home run they were playing the detroit tigers and denny mclean basically said to him from the mound where do you want it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean there was a cal ripkin home run uh, i think when it was he broke Lou Gehrig's record. That also looked rather uh, grooved, if you will. Yeah, you, you know, but, but um, look, uh, it makes it certainly. This is bar talk. I, I mean, if you sat in a bar, the bar would never close if it was based <laughs> on this conversation ending, because it, it can go on and on and on and on. Uh, but we don't have that much time, so we'll 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 kind of say that's it for now. But folks, the fix is still in by Brian Tui. More corruption and conspiracies the pro sports leagues don't want you to know about. Uh, uh, interesting discussion, Brian. I I thank you very much. It, it makes for uh, really uh, you. As I say, you can go on and on and on to talk about this, and uh, 
I got a feeling I got we we're going to see more books coming from you. I'm I'm going to be curious to hear what you're going to call it. I'll have to come up with a new title. But how about this? The fix, the so fix is still in. This shit never stops. <laughs> it's a good one. It's not too bad, Rod. It's solid. Uh, uh, Brian Tui, I thank you very, very much. Best of luck with the book. Great. Thanks a lot, Russ. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. I got to tell you something, folks. Um, look, I can't say – I'm not going to use the terminology the, the fix is in uh, on something like – Kobe on something like even tanking um, because we know we know what the team is doing. But in fairness to Brian Tui, when he uses the term manipulation, it's all manipulation. It, it's all manipulation. Remember when um, Magic Johnson came back and won the uh, MVP in the All-Star game? It's manipulation. You know, I mean, if you're going to bet on those games, then you're a moron, you know. Uh, but, you know, Kobe scoring 60, you know, I can't call that fix. But again, in fairness to Brian Tui, he calls it manipulation, and that's always the case. But, you know, whether it's this guy getting breaks, not getting foul calls, that's that's been going on forever. And, you know, again, in fairness to Brian Tui. He's going to answer me because he's the conspiracy theorist. He's going to say, yeah, it's been going on forever, but that doesn't make it right. Technically speaking, yes, but that's the way the leagues are run. They're run successfully. They're making billions of dollars, so no one's going to poo-poo it. But uh, the fix is still in. More corruption and conspiracies pro sports leagues don't want you to know about. An interesting topic, to say the least. But right now, that is a wrap on this podcast. I want to thank all of you for getting a load of this. Now I'd like to get a load of you. Let me know your thoughts on Twitter at Russ Salzberg on Facebook. You can also visit me at my website, russsalzberg.com. My thanks to the big man who always takes such good care of me across the way here, Crash, a.k.a. Mike Caragliano, to Tim Einico, the OG Podcast Network producer, uh, Dave LaBrosi, the new 77 WABC program director, his outstanding assistant, Matt Dahl. And last but certainly not least, you guys and gals out there, because without you guys and gals, I'd have nobody here to be talking to. So until next time, it is I, Russ Salzberg, saying to all of you, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Have a great week. is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.